Hello, and welcome to episode five of Dualist Unity. Today, we have our first guest on today, but as you all know, I'm Andrew. And I'm Ray, also Andrew, but in a different body and playing a different character. <laughs> and our first guest ever on our podcast is Eric. So welcome, Eric. Hey, guys. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's an honor to be your first guest. Well, yeah. it's a pleasure to have you. I, I love your content. I, I enjoy how sincere your content is for sure. Yeah, no, it's actually funny because I watched both of your content for a while. And then, you know, I had somewhat of a feeling that we would cross paths somehow, some way. And like to be here now is, is really cool. Yeah. So I have to ask, um, how long have you been involved in this conversation or, or just, um, I guess, the habit of introspection, self, self-reflection? self How long have you been interested in this? Was it something that just happened one day or is it a slow build as a result of different influences? I would say really started getting into it about 17, 18. I'm 21 now, so a few years, I would say. But I mean, I've always been, I don't want to say like different, but like, you know, I've always been reserved and very introverted. And so I kind of always questioned and didn't jive with what has been going on in other people's thinking and what has been put before me. Um, and I've always been into self-development and sort of one thing led me to another. Um, I played basketball my whole life and that led me into fitness. And then I sort of stripped it of the vehicles and got straight to self-development and you know, started reading a lot of books. I went into Carl Jung, learning about the shadow and the dark side and all of these really interesting uh, concepts. And, and then, uh, yeah, I just kept going and yeah. <laughs> and the more you learn, the less you realize that, you know, which is always an interesting thing. I know you guys talk about that as well. You know, you start learning so much and you're adding so much to you and it is somewhat of an ego thing. And you start to realize that. And then you're like, well, I'm just kind of this awareness of, of everything that is going on. And I can, you know, to my own horn and, you know, say that I've acquired all this knowledge that I've read all these books, but at the end of the day, like, what does it really matter? If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, that makes total sense. I remember when yeah. I, I first started waking up a friend of mine who was involved in the conversation with me, decided to take the path where it became self-defining. And we were having a conversation about his need to get followers. And, and he's like, well, we came up with this together. And I'm like, no, mm -hmm. no, 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 this isn't ours at all. This is, this is a conversation that, that exists in every observer observed relationship that has the capacity to have this conversation. It's not ours. We can't take credit for it. Right. That's exactly. that spiritual ego thing. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's more just like an opportunity and like, that's what I see all of this is to continually learn and grow, but not attach myself to anything. And that's why I kind of started the page infinite seeking. Cause it's like to take on all of these perspectives, but to know that I'm not these perspectives that I'm not these thoughts. I'm not these beliefs. Now they may help me in trying to understand certain concepts and I can use them, but when they start to use me, that that's when it can get dangerous. And, you know, you see a lot of that in today's world. So <laughs> yeah, certainly. Yeah. yeah. I feel like a lot of it comes back to not necessarily adding anything to yourself, but just peeling back all of those things and all of that conditioning and all of those things that we've learned over all of these years. And that's been one of the biggest things for me, because I think it, it's not always super easy necessarily to, you know, not take credit for things or not have this sort of egotistical feeling about 
all of these things. But what's sort of grounds me is just the idea of peeling all of these things back and this idea that you don't have to, you know, believe in anything besides being that awareness of what is here and what is now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like to think that almost everything is just recycled knowledge that none of it's really new. It's just the only thing that you can sort of add that I guess is unique is, is your expression and the way that you deliver it. And I mean, I see that with both of you guys, like you both have your own unique style of how you express these ideas. And I think that's what we can all bring to the table. And that's how we can, you know, inspire other people to, I guess, be on this journey. And I mean, as it's in your podcast name, like it's about unity and not about division, which is what ego does, which is not really helpful. <laughs> so not when it's uh, taken too seriously, for sure. Not if yeah. you listen to all kinds yeah. of problems. That's amazing. And, and so you're 21 and you're having all of these insights. And, and I have to ask, have you stumbled across any insights particularly that, that really grabbed your attention or, or things that you're still pondering and, and uh, not entirely sure of? Because I'll be honest, I'm not entirely sure that physical reality yeah. is physical reality. I have no idea what I'm experiencing at this point any more than I know who I am. Well, one thing that's interesting, and this is something that Alan Watts kind of said, which I would think you guys might be familiar with Alan Watts, but he talks about how like the ego has no like physical presence, but yet the ego is what runs the whole world. Like everything is a constructed reality. And if it's all a constructed reality, like, and I mean, it gets into this thing about, our world is, is an illusion in the sense that it's all just made up and we're all just going along with it as though it makes sense. And like, I walk around and, you know, I'm a very observant person and I people watch and I'm, it's just like, everyone's pretending like we're all in this grand illusion together. And, you know, some, like you kind of have to participate to a degree or else like you're not a functioning member of society. And what are you going to do? Go live in the woods. I mean, you, you could do that. I've, I've thought about it. I, you know, I keep thinking about one day, you know, just getting a hut in the mountain and just living there. But yeah, I mean, that, that's something, I mean, I'm certainly not certain about anything, which I think it's going to stay that way. And, you know, at some times I may feel more confident about an idea or not, but then I, I just remind myself that I'm sort of a fool in the end, uh, even just to be pondering all of this i think like that's just beyond our comprehension and sometimes we just have to take a back seat and just 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 be here and you know let the experience be what it is and if you can make it a pleasant one you know do that <laughs> as yeah. best you can yeah yeah, yeah. just yeah. a leaf on the so, river exactly um but yeah. yeah yeah i think i think ray brings us up a lot the the idea of questioning and questioning everything and the only thing you have to be careful of is settling on an answer and yeah you mentioned uh living in the forest or going out <laughs> into the woods somewhere yeah. and ray ray actually did that for what was it eight Wait, really months, eight months. Yeah. yeah i was yeah, I, uh, like 16 17 years ago eight months in the woods that was wow. good times but yeah um, I, i've seen some of your videos with your longer hair was that around when that was that's after i came out of the woods yeah I oh okay to get a, yeah. a cheap webcam and i just had so much to say and i, I ended up recording almost 100 videos in like three months it was sick. I was filling up the whole 10 minute limit. It, it was pretty bad. But uh, one thing that really dawned on me, and it's a good story, is that so this man goes into the mountains to find enlightenment, stays up there for years, meditating, coming to peace with himself. Finally, he's like, yes, I've got it. 
I'm good to go. I'm at peace with reality. And he comes back down from the mountain, talks to one person in the village, turns right back around and goes back up the mountain. And it's because it's like Krishnamurti said, you know, we, we see ourselves without distortion in our relationships with others. Mm-hmm. So people are almost necessary. If not necessary, I would say that it's like you were saying, we almost have to participate. Well, we almost want to participate because we're, we're participating with ourselves. It's all self-exploration, right? Right. So as long as we're not getting the idea of ourself in the way, there's infinite lessons that we can learn. Right. Yeah. We tend to be so self-absorbed, but it's like, even if we look into other people, like we see ourselves, like everything is really a reflection of yourself, including how you see the world. Like you, if you're an anxious person, you're going to go out and you're going to be anxious because, you know, that's the story that you're telling yourself. It's, you know, we tell ourselves so many stories and that, that just makes up a reality. And then we're confined to it. And we just become this limited character to a certain point, you know, like learning about the subconscious. And I think like I've heard a thousand times, but that like by the age of 35, 95% of what you do is just a subconscious program and you're just on autopilot. And that's like what I see when I look out into the world. And it's, uh, it's a little bit sad because at what point are you not even a human being? Are you just this like meat robot program thing, like walking around doing what you've done and doing everything that you've adopted? You know, uh, Sadhguru says something. He says that beliefs are dying in installments and it's just like, you know, you just like lose what you are over time. Um, and like, I try to talk about like being a kid a lot. Cause like when you think back to, when you were a kid, you were just so curious. You asked so many questions and some of them may seem ridiculous, but I'd rather ask ridiculous questions than not ask any questions at all. So <laughs> explore yeah. without judgment, yeah. right? That is the yeah, best absolutely. part of being a kid. It's funny. One of my favorite words I've brought this up before is uh, enthusiasm because the etymology of enthusiasm is actually en and theos, which is to be possessed by God. Mm-hmm. makes perfect sense when we're being ourselves when we're not trying to be something we're not trying to live up to other people's expectations we are actually in alignment with what is so we are quite literally filled with god just doing what we're doing for its own purpose and i think that's that is unfortunately what we lose over time and, and a large part of that's the schooling system and, and our overcommitment to conceptualization um my daughter's 14 i've, I've had to ride this weird balance raising her between teaching her concepts and then teaching her not to take those concepts too seriously. We never got that in school. It was just like, learn this. Test is coming up next week. Yeah. 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 I feel, I feel like one of the base differences too, between just like kids and adults is not that anyone has answers, but it's like the adults just start playing like they do or, you know, questions start getting asked, like, why is this? Why is this? And you just start saying it just is the way it is. Or, you know, you box something up and you package it up and you say, you know, this is right. This is wrong. Here's an answer. And you don't have to question it anymore. And it's like the idea of questioning just almost goes away once you begin to grow up, because I think a lot of it is because it's uncomfortable and people are uncertain and they, they like to feel certain and they like to feel safe and they like to know that, you know, they're going to live forever and, you know, it's going to be all hunky dory for, for eternity. And, and it's like, you know, settling on those things and settling on an answer is part of, part of the issue that many people find. And so I think it actually leads to more struggles than people 
tend to admit or tend to even realize. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, it's like a safety thing. Like we're protecting ourselves from the truth of the matter that we don't know that we do live in an uncertain universe with so many questions that are not answered. But I mean, it's also just about almost like fitting in, like we would rather be, be wrong with the group than be right on our own. And it's like, you want to be able to, you know, have that friend group. You want to be able to go out into the world and just be with everyone else. And it's like, if you're that odd one out that is questioning everything that isn't jive, jiving with everything and what everyone is saying, then it's like, where do you fit in in all of this? And to most people, that's, that's just not, it's not worth it. I mean, for me, it's obviously the opposite for you guys. It's, I can see it's obviously the opposite. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to live in a falsified reality just because it gives me this, this sense of comfort. Cause like I can see right through that sense of comfort. I'd rather sit in that uncertainty, sit in all the possibilities that always exist and, and explore that and actually see all the beauty of, of being this sliver of awareness in this consciousness generated universe that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And it's, I mean, like, it's absurd. And like Albert Camus talks about this, like at any street corner, like you can just stop and realize like, this is just all absurd that we're all doing this, you know? Absolutely. I had, uh, I had just an endless night of laughing once I, I had just, just thinking about the fact that it was 2012 <laughs> at the time. It's like, why, why is it 2012? It's not like <laughs> we've only been around 2012 years and we just started with Jesus dying. Why? You know, and, and so you look at the age of the earth, you look at all of that and you write and you're like, right, right, right. Just because we want a point of reference. We just, we don't like feeling like we don't know. I mean, this is why we come up with answers that don't even make sense. Like I always get a kick out of uh, people who believe in numerology and then they'll say something like, oh, it's August 8th. That's an important day, 8-8. Eight, eight. It's like, right, because of Pope Gregory randomly and arbitrarily making this August 8th. It's not actually based on anything real. The number itself is irrelevant. I mean, it was arbitrarily made. It's not like it's actually August 8th. And yet we take it and we run with it because it gives us some sense of certainty. Like we know what's going to happen when the potential in each moment is in not knowing what's going to happen. That's why I find it really funny. Um, I don't know if you recently caught Andrew's video on religion, but uh, he was questioning the entire idea of God and the universe and everything else. And out of the woodwork came all the theists quite angry about it. And it's not because he was asking something, you know, that, that shouldn't be discussed. It was because they don't want to discuss it. They just want to hold on to what they think is the, or what they want to think is the truth. So they don't have to question it anymore. And it's like, okay, but what you're doing is standing on a chair, just waiting for someone to kick it out. That's all you're doing, right? Why would you put yourself in that position? And to them, it makes perfect sense. It's because, well, because if I do, well, then the story tells me I'm doing the right thing, despite all the consequence I'm witnessing in my life every day. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess for some people, it's like religion is the one thing they have. It's like their backbone is the thing they can fall back on because they don't have themselves, I guess. And I feel like when you don't have yourselves, not in like a ego way, like not yourself as in like your God I guess you could say that if you want, but like you don't take on the responsibility that this experience is happening through you. And so it's like, 
you have to believe in something else. And the belief is what you're clinging to is what you're latching on to. And with, without that, it's like, you're completely lost. You have, you have no, no sense of self, no, no anything really. And, you know, I think that's a lot of what religion does. It's so that you can avoid, avoid yourself in, in a way. Yeah. Avoid yourself, avoid responsibility, avoid, <laughs> yeah, exactly. avoid anything and everything. And yeah, it's, it's so interesting when, when you begin to question these things because people hold on to them and it is like their security blanket, but I think it's actually tied because religion has become such an intertwined part of our lives and our culture that it's almost just assumed like, you know, it, it makes it easier to raise kids. They start asking questions, just give them these answers that we made up thousands, hundreds, like thousands of years ago, whatever. And I think it's actually, and Ray and I have talked about this before, a lot more intertwined with things like mental health struggles and anxiety than people care to admit because they have this security and these answers. And once it's questioned or, you know, once they feel uncertain about something else or like they don't have control, which they never actually did to begin with, they start to feel extreme forms of anxiety. And if, if you're able to question the thing that you're most sure of and the things in your life that you're most sure of, both about, you know, whatever it may be, religion, yourself, society, you become a little bit, just a little bit more comfortable in those uncomfortable, uncertain uncontrolled situations and it, it bleeds into every other part of your life. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a really uncomfortable, really uncertain situation. And you're like, Oh, I've, I've done this before. I can handle this instead of being like, Oh fuck the world's ending. Like shit, everything's going wrong. And I can't handle this because I don't have my security blanket. Right. You yeah, know, I mean, I actually do definitely see that, that connection. I mean, because it just comes back to the same thing that like people need something to to like fall back on and and you know they're avoiding the problem and they're not actually getting to the root of what's there and it's just it's uh yeah i mean it's just it's just it's a safety mechanism so you don't actually have to sit in reality sit with yourself sit in that space of awareness and you know develop a relationship with yourself you know see that that there is an ego there, see that there's an idea for yourself, you know, see all these patterns that you have, you know, your behaviors start to go into your psychology, like see that you have parts of your parts of your so called like shadow that are determining certain aspects of your life. But all of that, once again, like you have to be accountable for that, you have to take on the responsibility. And I think that that's kind of what free will free will is, and we all talk about wanting to be free and, 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 and having all these abilities. And yet we dismiss them when we have the opportunity to actually take them on. And so it's like, do we really want the things that we talk about or do we just want the idea of it? And it's like, I feel like most of us are obsessed with, and we sort of glorify the idea, but then the actual process and going through all of it is something that very few people actually want to do. Yeah, no, that, that's it because it's uncomfortable. You actually have to face things. You have to be brutally self-honest, but we get caught up in a lot of stuff like that. I remember uh, I was a motivational speaker once upon a time, way back, like two decades ago. And uh, yeah, I'm old. And (laughs) what I noticed was that outside having a cigarette, 
talking to a bunch of the guys that were there. They're all stoked. Like, yeah, man, going to rock it. I'm going to make next month a record month, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, great. Well, what have you been doing? How many calls have you made? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, nothing. But, you know, I got the latest DVD on this guy and he's speaking and he's raising me up. And it's like, okay, so you're spending all of your time trying to feel motivated, but you're not actually moving. You're not going anywhere. You're more concerned with how you feel than moving forward. And so, yeah, it just becomes running in the same spot because it's comfortable and familiar and you're not moving forward at all because moving forward requires you to leave what you know. Like it's, it's an active rebirth in itself. And for Christians, well, I don't know what's next. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll have faith in Jesus or faith in God that this is going to happen or that this is going to go this way, which isn't faith. It's just the, another illusion of control. Yeah. Yeah. I feel- I feel like I almost kind of got caught up with that. And we've talked about this about like meditation and, and getting caught up in that was sort of something I got caught up in after I sort of moved on from religion was getting into more of the spiritual side of things, things like meditation. And I was almost like allowing myself to cling to that and believing that that was helping me throughout the day. So, and this is very recent for me and I'm still like going back and forth. Like some days I meditate, some days I don't just cause I feel like it, but I was almost clinging to this idea that meditation was what was helping me deal with situations throughout the day. And I was, I, it was something outside of myself that I was doing. And so when I wouldn't meditate, I would feel little bit uncomfortable. And then when a situation would come up later in the day, I'd be like, oh shit, I didn't meditate this morning. Like am I can be able to handle this. And I started to realize, oh wow, that's just me clinging on to a different belief. And it's almost basically no different than clinging to any other belief system or idea outside of myself. And I think a lot of people get caught up in that once they leave religions, they kind of get caught up in the spirituality side of it. And, and it's still that avoidance of self and, and not having that sort of deeper trust in yourself. And and I'm just realizing this recently, (laughs) very recently. So it's like, as I'm going through it, I, I enjoy being able to talk about it as well, because, you know, these things aren't easy. That's why so many people cling to them. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Like you do something enough and it's associated with a feeling and then you start, you know, telling yourself a story about that. And then once you don't have that thing, you think that it's missing because it's something that's attached to some, to something outside of yourself. And, and then it's like, everything's always a label. There's always something to, you know, mask yourself and and just learning that, that, that states within you. It's not attached to this idea of meditation or this thing that you can do and, I mean, a lot of these practices are great, but if they're only, if you can only attain them within, you know, that story that you're telling yourself that I have to meditate to, to have that, that instead of like, I can just have my breath with me, that I can remind myself that my breath is always with me, that I don't have to have this idea that I've done a full, I've done a full meditation and that I'll feel good doing that. Um, but, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I feel like we always get, get caught up in one thing or another. And that's just like part of our, our learning process. And I mean, it's an imperfect thing. And, you know, sometimes you lose that awareness for a second and then you come back and you're like, Oh, okay, got it. And then like, you're right back to, to where you were. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) It's uh, one of my favorite quotes is from uh, the lazy man's guide to enlightenment. 
And it's, if you find yourself being resistant, don't resist your resistance. That's good. <laughs> you are where you are. That's pretty yeah. much it, right? But we do get caught up in fictions. We do get caught up in telling ourselves, even, even just little stories. Like after I, I started waking up, I would go through this, this process of, oh, I'm judging myself. Oh, I'm assuming something. Oh, I'm trying to tell myself this to make myself feel more secure. And talking to a buddy of mine going through this, I would say something like, you know, it's really hard to stop judging myself. You know, it's really hard to stop assuming things about people. And right there, I was telling myself another story that was justifying me not changing. I was telling myself it was hard so that way it would be, so I didn't have to do it, right? And so as soon as I stopped telling myself it was hard, I had no more excuses. And then I found the, the ability to get past those things. But as long as I was putting this story between me and the actual movement forward, couldn't move. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, like just like our constant need to just, I don't know, like label every experience that we have, whether it's good or bad or, or this or that, like we can't just let it be what it is. And I feel like we can sometimes miss out on what something can be trying to show us or teach us because we say that it's, that it's good or bad, that it's something that I want to be experienced, that I should be experiencing. And, and so that's just where our, our ego sort of takes the wheel and it, it tries to steer us in a certain direction, depending on what we label certain things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's almost like two sort of routes. Alan Watts talks about this a little bit, like the, the pointy versus the wavy. And I've always been on the pointy rigid structured <laughs> to-do lists like very much enjoy having things planned out like have a set morning routine you know like work out meditate walk whatever and realizing that it's not like questioning the reasons that i was doing that is kind of where it started and then realizing that it's not necessary and then sort of going back and forth between allowing things to be and sort of flow a little bit more. And then the last few weeks I've been trying to like, like trying to allow things to flow a little bit more and realizing that that's a little bit uncomfortable for me. And then when I would be on one side or the other, I would be like, Oh, I'm being too flowy. Oh, I'm being too, you know, pointy. And, and I think it's important just along the way to realize that whichever side you're on is the flow and to not judge yourself along the way. And there was something that hit me uh, a couple of days ago, cause I'm, you know, with the whole self-improvement line of things, I'm always, you know, a big thing was like not procrastinating. And I found myself, I, I had my workout stuff on and I was like sitting at my computer, like watching uh, YouTube videos. And I came across, I was, I watched like three when I wanted to be going to the gym. So I like felt like I was procrastinating. So I was sort of like judging myself as I was doing it. And I came across this video. There was two guys in the fitness and psychedelic industry that were interviewing each other. And they were talking about, um, one of them asked him like, what his three to five year plan was. And the other guy got really triggered by that. Apparently it's something he doesn't like to think about and doesn't, you know, he struggles with that idea. And in that, it hit me that like everyone's struggling with something. And it was this idea that was kind of, I'd thought of before, but hadn't thought of recently. So long story short, even though I was procrastinating in my head, like this insight hit me from the third video I had watched that I wasn't, wouldn't have hit me if I hadn't been, you know, like procrastinating. So it was like, oh, maybe I wasn't procrastinating. Maybe I was just being here and now doing something. And I got this insight 
out of it. And then I went and worked out and like, there was nothing lost. And it just hit me that like, you don't have to, you know, feel shame and judge yourself along every step of the way. And it's something that I've just been going back and forth with a lot recently. Yeah. I mean, and, and you found that, like you found that insight because like you were, you were open to that insight. Like you could have just been closed off and dwelled on it and say like, ah, oh, like I shouldn't have done that. I feel like shit. And I'll, you know, I'll go do this workout or I even won't do this workout now because I feel like shit. And, you know, but it's like, we all have that internal critic that is always finding an issue or a problem with, with something. And it's like, like now is never enough. Like we can't just, just, just be in the moment and, and accept it, embrace it and all and embrace it for all it is because it's like we have this need to to label everything that is going on it's like we're narrating everything that's going on in our head like should i be doing this is this productive is this leading me in the direction that i want to go in like even though it's like where are you going like what sort of destination like do you have for yourself um and like that's something that i remind myself of and it's like as long as i'm as long as I'm open to, to feeling however I'm feeling and embracing what's going on, then like, that's, then like, I'm good with things, you know, like I don't have to be so hard on myself. And when I catch myself, I remind myself that that's just a thought that's arising in my head and I can let it go. And, you know, I can choose whatever conscious direction that I want to go on. You know, if I wanted to read a book, I'll pick up a book. If I wanted to go to the gym, I'll go to the gym, but I try not to create too much of like a rigid time frame for it as long as I'm, I'm doing it and I'm aware of what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Flow state, right? The zone. And it's really just about being there all the time where, where we are. I mean, we are, what is, we are always in alignment. That's the one thing that always used to crack me up. It's like, how do I be more present? How can you be more present? You are the present. There's, there's no way for me to answer that, that, that like, you are the present. Stop avoiding it. There you go. Um, but it's just in, it's funny how the learning becomes less about learning and more about recognizing when we're getting caught up in an illusion. And the more we do that, the quicker it happens. Like I, I used to go through what I used to call the roller coaster from hell. I, I would just go through one thought to another thought to another thought and I would go up and down and up and down and just try to, to work my way through that stuff to find some clarity. And as I did that, I noticed the spikes weren't as high and they happened you know, farther and farther apart. And then, you know, five, 10 years later, I, I recall just thinking, I don't even remember what I used to think about, right? Now, another 10 years after that, it's mostly quiet, right? And it's not that thinking doesn't happen. It's just that it, it happens when it's necessary and the rest, it's just kind of like, yeah, that, that's happening in the background. I'll leave that alone. But it's the detachment that we're learning. It's, it's the faith in ourself. Yeah, I find myself sometime Sometimes when I'm almost like when my mind gets pretty quiet, I'm like, shit, should I like, how do I, how do I be like trying to remember how to be? And I'm like, oh, there is no, like, there is nothing I ever, ever have to remember. Just, just being here now, just aware of what is like, it'll hit me sometimes just walking down the stairs in my apartment, like, cause there's not really anything. It's like, six flights of stairs and so it, it takes a little while and i'm not really thinking about anything and I'm like oh shit should i should i be like what should i be doing it's almost like this this ego attachment to like need to be striving for something or remembering something it's like a subconscious trigger 
of needing to focus on something. And it's like the only thing you ever have to remember is, is the awareness of what is and, and you are it. And, and that's it. It's, it's like pretty awesome. Like, and it has its you own don't action. To. Yeah. Right. Like that's right. the thing is, is we get caught up in, well, if I don't plan, how am I going to know what to do? Trust yourself. You'll know what to do. That's the whole point. Once you're in the situation, you are what completes that picture. You're what completes that moment. Of course, you're going to know what to do. This is what Jesus was saying with my words are my father's, right? I don't have to worry about what to say. I'm always going to say what I'm supposed to say. It's not about getting in the way, right? But we analyze and, and we tend to, to critique because we want it to go our way. And that's always based on a lack of clarity. It's always based on us thinking about ourselves as an idea. Yeah. And if anything, like the ego can fog things because it doesn't let your intuition, you know, speak to you. And that's what I feel like will lead you in the right direction. Sometimes it's spontaneous. Sometimes it's not planned out whatsoever. And that's when some insight comes to you. And, you know, I'm reading Think and Grow Rich and they talk about the infinite intelligence and how like you can tap into like this collective consciousness and all of these ideas, but not when you're always thinking not when your mind is always active and you're always stimulated and you're thinking about like, what should I be doing? What should I not be doing? And it's like, you're constantly judging yourself. And I find sometimes I'm trying to remember something from a book that I read or a certain insight, and then I can't remember it. And then I, I get frustrated and I get overwhelmed. Like, why can't I think about like that one quote or that one idea? And then it just goes in circles. And then sometimes I'll stop. I'll just stop. I'll stop resisting and stop trying to look for it. And then like a day later, a couple hours later, 30 minutes or whatever it is, my subconscious will pop it up into my mind. And I'm like, all right. So like, if I don't actively try to search for it, like maybe it'll just come back around. So yeah. when, yeah. when you're silent, it speaks, when you speak, it's silent. Absolutely. I, th yeah. I, think, I think that's an Alan Watts quote. Yeah. Sounds he's like one it. <laughs> of, yeah. He's one of my favorite guys, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so true. And I find that too. Like I'll, I'll think of a video idea. It will hit me. And then I'll get caught up like for the next 30 minutes. If I don't have somewhere I can film or write it down, I'm like, it's running through my head. Like, don't forget this one. Don't forget this one. And a lot of times I'll just write it down real quick or just like a few words and allow it to be and just let it go. And that helps. But a lot of times too, if I'm struggling, like if I have a video idea and then it's not exactly how I want to say it, I'll just put it off and, and let it be. And, you know, like you said, a couple hours or sometimes it's like a couple weeks later, it'll come back and hit me and it'll be like, I'm in a situation and because I'm fully there present, it'll sort of come back to me and hit me like, Oh, this is applicable to this situation because of this. And then this is actually like a sort of new situation for me, but this applies very well to this. And because I'm there and not clouded by trying to, you know, figure it out on my own, it just sort of comes back. And it's only when you're silent does it come back yeah no yeah. I, I hear you that's the same in martial arts it's uh there's a point where you're you're thinking about what you're doing and you kind of learn the structure and you and, and you learn what's appropriate in certain situations but after that beyond that point it really comes back down to self-reflection it really comes down to in the moment how are you feeling are you tense are you stressed are you afraid and and that's all just self-honesty and so you have to let go of this idea of control and, and just come into alignment with what is and then when you're there different things become optional there are different opportunities just tend to appear but we always assume the opportunities that we 
see in our head before we get there are the only opportunities that are going to be there, despite the fact that we're not in the situation that we're going into at all. Right. So it's just throw yourself in leap. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes what helps me and something that I have been doing for a while, kind of like talking to myself and like opening up a dialogue within myself and sometimes treating my ego as another person. And so it's like, I'm literally like talking out loud or I'm talking to myself in the mirror and like, I can get actually a lot of clarity for that. Or I can, if I'm frustrated with someone or, or with, with something, or I feel like I have a problem or something I have to solve, I'll just put it out loud and, and, and start talking to myself. And I feel like that can, that can help me to, to let something go or to just become more aware or to, you know, have more direction and on what I'm trying to do or what I'm trying to, to figure out, or, you know, if there's a, reoccurring thought that I'm having in my mind, like I'll just start talking about it. Like, where is this coming from? Why am I having this thought? Like retrace everything. Um, and like, that's also just really getting to know myself, you know, cause I feel like there's as much as it is simple as the awareness. Like, I feel like we are also complex in terms of our, our psyche and, you know, all the different things that are going on. Or if I wake up in the morning and I have a weird dream because I've started to like learn or not started, but I've gone back and forth between like learning about dreams and whatnot and trying to remember them and how there's a, there's a whole nother world in like the dream world. And that influences what we do in our conscious life. But the unconscious is like the iceberg and all of that is beneath the surface. And yet it has such a powerful hold on like what we do. And, you know, so I'll, I'll try and find the, the symbolism and what certain things mean. And if it, there's a pattern in, in dreams that I have in, and what that means and, you know, why I'm not getting past something and, you know, why I feel stuck and why this is happening and, and just trying to get to the root of those things, but then also relaxing and not taking them too seriously. So they don't have a complete hold of my life, even though I do value what's going on there. Yeah, that's fair. I, I went through a phase where uh, I was into dream interpretation and I was trying to yeah. lucid dream more often and, uh, Astral projection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gateway yeah. experience, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and after a while, I, I kind of came out of it thinking, okay, this is cool. Don't get me wrong, but what am I really trying to do? And, and so rather than trying to do anything in the dream, I try to more or less just break down the division between this experience and the dream, because there really isn't much of a difference except for the continuity of the reality, right? Because in our dreams, there is less continuity time doesn't work the same way, right? There's not as much stability. You can go from one room to a field, right? It, there's no continuity whatsoever. Here, you have to walk through the house to the door, out to the field, and there's more of a linear timeline, right? So our dreams are, are, are I guess you would say, poorly built realities, or, or rather realities on the fly, but they give us the ability to experience things that we can't experience here, that we need to experience in order to progress in the next in the next uh, evolution of our thought process or the evolution of our recognition. So now I just I just go to sleep. And, and <laughs> what's funny is that I don't really sleep. Like I I go from being awake to lucid dreaming to waking up. And so it's almost like I'm not sleeping. I'm just going from one place to another and then back. And it gets really interesting, but it doesn't work if you're trying to analyze it. You have to just be in it as if you are here. You right. so do you lucid dream like every night? Yeah, mostly, mostly except when I'm sick. So yeah, like, what is that like exactly? Is that by lucid dreaming? Is that at all like asshole projection? Like, how 
aware do you feel while you're doing that? Like what I'm aware of myself. See, I, I'm aware that I'm me. Um, that doesn't mean I'm aware that I'm Ray, but I'm aware that I'm me. And I think that's a large part of the journey that I've taken in, in my waking life as well as the recognition that I'm not Ray, which has allowed me to more easily adapt to every dream where I'm not Ray where I'm playing a completely different character. And, and so rather than resisting it, which causes nightmares, you know, in the same way right. as psychedelics do, you just kind of go into it and you're like, hey, cool, I'm a fucking dragon, right? And, and you just have a great time, but it's just letting it happen, right? And allowing yourself to be whatever form you take in whatever reality you're in. But we try to control it because we identify as this body, we identify as this character and that just messes everything up. So, so you know you're dreaming when you're sleeping and, and you're able to like how I've never, I don't think I've ever lucid dreamed in my life or astral projected or anything, but how, like, what was that like getting to that point that you do it now every night? That seems kind of crazy to me. Well, it's a process like everything else. I mean, yeah. it's not like I went out of my way to be able to lucid dream in all honesty, it just kind of happened as a result of me just breaking down all of my perceptions and assumptions of reality itself, right? Like I look at the experience we're having kind of like a movie reel, right? But we tend to think, oh, the movie stops when we go to sleep, but it doesn't, it just changes room. It just changes reality, right? So the, the real continues on, I'm the real, right? And so as soon as I stop saying there's a difference between being awake and being asleep or dreaming, I started experiencing it that way. But right. we hold on to this idea of dreams as something that's not real, as something that's insubstantial, right? In the same way that we hold on to the idea of imagination, which I always find hilarious because if there's anything that tips us off to how vast our awareness is, it's our imagination. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's still, even when you're dreaming, it's still the moment. You're just not conscious of it in the same way. But I mean, that's your unconscious. There's still a lot going on there. It, that moment is still existing you're just in that in that sleep state. And that's why I guess I've been trying to explore it because I want to live this experience fully. And I feel like, I mean, we sleep so much of our life. So I guess if I could try to uncover some of the, the meaning there or anything at all without getting too obsessed over it and having it control too much of my conscious life, um, you know, yeah. I want to seek and, and explore that avenue. It'll happen yeah. on its own, right? But yeah, and so I don't express this to people often because, by all appearances, I'm a completely normal person. I've got a job, <laughs> and I and I live in society, and so on and so forth. But I experience reality in a way that that I, I can't explain. It's like I'm holding on by my fingernails almost all the time, and at some point, I just want to let that go and just just free flow through my life. But it, it's very much just. I'm just kind of drifting along. There's almost nothing left of the idea of me. And so when I go to sleep, that's what takes hold. That's, that's what changes the dream. It's, it's who I am going into it. So it, it's a natural progression of just questioning yourself. That sounds extremely liberating to, you know, just yeah. feel like there's not this idea that you have to continue to put on this face and say certain things in a certain way or try to impress certain people or, you know, anything like you, you're just going to be in whatever happens around, around you, it's outside of your control. And, you know, you, you let that happen and yeah. you like, and you let yourself happen, you know? So yeah, yeah. Your, your strings are cut. 
I, I posted this. One of my friends sent me a old meme today on my Instagram story of these two people at dinner and they were like on a date, probably like first date or something. And then there were two versions of them that were bigger that were like puppeteers and the people at the table were smiling and laughing and the puppeteers were like sweating and like, oh, uh, like, you know, the sweaty guy behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. And, and I just said, you know, cut the strings, just be here and now. And it's like, it seems like you're sort of in a state where those strings are completely cut. And I think there's differing degrees to that with different people and some people you know have lots of lots of strings and they're very strong strings but and that's okay like every once in a while strings will form because i have a job i i have things i have to consider i have a kid i i work in in society i do all that right so there are there are things that i have to maintain in order to do that relationships and so on and so forth right but it's it's just like teaching my kid that concepts are one thing, but don't take them too seriously. And it's exactly the same, right? It's when I see strings form, when I form strings, like, you know, my boss thinks I'm this person or this person thinks, you know, I am this kind of person. It, it's for the point, the purpose of that experience. It's for the purpose of that relationship, right? And I just never convince myself it's me. Like I have a job as a marketing director. I am not a marketing director. I just have that job. That's just what I call myself. It's the same as when I was life coaching. People were like, well, you're, this isn't really life coaching. I'm like, I know, but I can't just call myself a guy who knows stuff. Nobody's going to come to the like to use my service because that's not very specific. So it's just understanding that you're never what you think you are. No matter what you think you are, you're wrong. Right. Always. And when you have that awareness, like the pull isn't as strong, you know, it's not like you're unaware and then you're playing that role because then you think you are that role. And it's like, that's to like the degree which you, you know, that you kind of have to participate, that you have to take on that label for a second, but while you're doing it, you know, that it's, it's not you, but you understand that that's kind of what it means to be a human being, like at least in, in this world and in our constructed reality today. Yeah. Today. <laughs> No, I, I, I do have faith that this is going to change at some point. I do see it changing. Our, our priorities as a species are changing. Um, what we look at as, as necessary as a workday is changing. And, and admittedly, why, why shouldn't it? Everything else is changing. Technology is changing. Our, our perception of ourselves and the world is changing. So, yeah, no, I, I, don't think that, I don't think it's always going to be so uncomfortable to have this state of mind where we are questioning in a world that is built on not questioning. I, I think that... In, in my lifetime alone, I have seen the evolution over the last 20 years. I, I was the odd man out, always having this conversation. Like people would shun me. It's like, oh Christ, here comes Ray. Uh, I remember one person actually asking me, why do you always have to think so deeply? So really, that's a question like you're asking me that? So, um, but 20 years later, we're having this conversation and it's not just us. There's more and more people having it and it is changing things. And of course you're seeing you know, the legalization of cannabis, you're seeing the legalization of some psychedelics and some experimentation into mental health. And these are all huge. It's funny because here in Canada, they uh, legalized cannabis, I think it was two or three years ago. And I was explaining to my daughter, like one day, one day, people who are no longer afraid of using this are going to run for office. They're going to be running for politics. They're going to be running businesses. They're going to have more sway with less stress and anxiety and judgment. That's immediately changing the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope for that change too. I mean, but obviously like I still somewhat 
not worry, but I'm aware of the technological advantages and how those are more tools for the ego and more personas that can be created. And I'll, although I agree with you, I think we're making advances in some ways. We're also advancing other things that are extensions and abstractions of the ego that actually get us further and further away from ourselves and enable us to live on the surface level more and, you know, kind of avoid what we actually are, We, you know, and so it's like, I see it in both ways. And obviously I can only kind of experience life for myself and, and my own awareness. And those things are outside of my control, but you know, I'm definitely like observing all of it. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> now that's a really good point because the world that we're living in right now is, is giving people more, more escapes. But at the same time, it's also creating more consequence with all of those escapes, right? Which is what's creating the need to change in other people. So it's like we're having this polarity split where you have those who want to be irresponsible and they have this candy land of stuff to be irresponsible. And then all of the consequence of that irresponsibility waking up the occasional other person that this isn't working, that there's more to this than, than what they assumed. So I think a part of this is necessary. I, I think... You know, very much like we were saying last week in the, in the other podcast as a forest fire is, is sometimes necessary. I think that this is what's going to help us go to another state of mind where we see things slightly differently. But I, I don't know necessarily if it's going to happen with or without some cataclysm. I'm, I'm really hoping that, that it can happen just as a result of, of us wanting to make it happen. But um, I think that as people resist this state of mind as, as, or they run from it, they're going to inevitably cause more consequence for themselves. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think that, again, we have that split where you have more people walking away and just being in the present. And then a lot more people just trying to bury themselves in whatever distraction or escape they can. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing I see too, is just more and more labels that creates more and more divide more and more ego. And that also kind of, kind of, kind of has us going in the, in the opposite direction of where I think that we want to be, headed in and I don't know like I I try not to lean in I, I try not to, to create any expectations of where I think things are going to go but you know I just see a lot of people like justifying what they do and that they'll blow things up and cause a lot of destruction as long as as as, as long as that's justified by their by their truth and by you know their mission and, and what they think that they're they're doing for the so-called greater good um, and I, I don't know, like, I feel like there's also just like a, a mass group of people. And the more that people are sort of add on to that group of people, the easier it is to kind of control and instill fear and instill all these things that get us further and further away from that awareness, from that unity, from that abundance and from all that we are at the, you know, at the heart and of the soul of what it means to be a human being. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, I don't know. Those, those are just things that I feel like I'm just kind of observing as, as I see everything. Cause you know, just walking in New York city, sometimes I just don't necessarily align with some of the energy and some of the, the disconnect that I feel that other people have in themselves. And sometimes I check myself, like, am I projecting that onto, on, onto them? But then I'm like, uh, maybe I'm not like, I think that that actually kind of is, is going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But historically, this is, um, this is ramping up. I, I guess that that would be the benefit of being in my 40s now is that 
I've watched the change for 20 years and I'm a big right. history buff. I love history. I, I rise in uh, the rise and descent of, of the Roman empire onwards. I've just read too much stuff in my life, but this is getting to a crescendo. Like the, the absurdity is getting to the point now where we can sustain it. And we see that all the time in the environment and the economy and politics and religion. I mean, we've played this narrative out to its inevitable end. It's going to come crashing down like the house of cards that it is, just like the ego. The ego can't make anything that's, that's stronger than the ego, right? It's a shaky foundation to start with. And so an ego-based society is the same. I think that we have to go through this because I mean, a hundred years ago, we were still in the same mentality, but the consequences weren't as obvious because we weren't as overpopulated. We didn't have the, the world government that we do now. You could just escape. You could go somewhere off into the woods, but you can't anymore. You know, the more I was talking to somebody last week, he says, I can't actually go into the woods in my country. They don't let us. It's like, exactly. So there's nowhere to run now. Now we have to deal with our shit. We have to deal with our collective you know, distractions and our collective need to pass responsibility. And if we don't, then the consequence is going to come. It's like, I, I once described it as a snowball keeps falling down the hill and we just keep throwing it back up the hill. They're going to keep coming down, right? Like the, we can't hold off the consequence of our control with more control forever. We can't. Eventually those snowballs are all going to come down at once. And, and I think that's what we're witnessing. I think that's where people like you and Andrew, for example, are finding this is absurd. Of course, I'm not going to live like this. This seems stupid but it has to be that obvious. It has to be. I mean, how many, for how many hundreds of years have we went along with this common narrative, not questioning it or not able to question it because we would get burned at the stake. Yeah. The I just, I just found myself questioning a lot of things too. And, you know, although there are lots of individuals, it's sadly not necessarily the individuals that are making the decisions. It's, you know, other things that are, I guess, going on behind the scene and, you know, people having, having trust and, and just things working themselves out. And I feel like when you have trust to a certain degree and, and when it's external and it's outside of yourself, things can end up happening and you can play a certain game, but the game you're playing isn't actually what's determining where the world is going. Yeah. And that comes back to any sort of belief system and this, this idea with a lot of things that, you know, the ends just to justify the means, but what are those ends? And I feel like those ends are stemming from the idea of separation and the, these ideas that, you know, we can pass the buck because there are all of these things outside of ourselves that we are clinging to, like, you know, the idea of the afterlife, you know, we don't have to worry about what's going on in the world because, you know, in 80 years we'll be chilling with Jesus and God and all the other saints in heaven. It's like, like, hold on. Like, this is it. We're here. Like, this is it here and now, right now. And, and until, you know, some of those barriers start getting broken and, and those, you know, sturdy chairs that everyone's standing on start getting kicked out from under them. I think people will continue to sort of hold on to them and believe that there is, you know, we don't have to deal with anything here fully, at least outside of ourselves and how we're able to, you know, comfort ourselves and our own lives, realizing that it's, it's just, it's just me the whole time and, and forever. And then things will start being dealt with, I think a little bit more. 
Yeah, well, it, it, but it has to be here now in the moment, right? Like, we always want to change the world. We, we want to fix the problems in the world, but the problems in the world are the result of how we think we are the world. There's no separation, right? And so if we really want the world to change, then it starts with you, it starts with me. Right. And, and it can't be on anyone else. It, it just can't. Like, it, it's funny, my daughter and I, we, we talk about this. It's like, you can focus on somebody else changing for you, or you can change your response to them. Which one do you think is going to be easier? Right. Changing yours. And, and that's, that's very much it. And I've noticed that throughout my life, the ripples that, that come off of me as I change, as, as I stop needing to justify or validate or, or I need anything from any, anyone, the people in my life change. How they interpret what I'm saying changes. And then they change as people. And then they go out and create their own ripples and all that. And I don't know what that's going to do. But I know the origin of that ripple. I know it's where it's coming from. And I know that my, my mentality is often what creates the outcome. So if I can get out of the way entirely, then I'm no longer creating an egotistical ripple. I'm not creating one that's based on division. If anything, I'm building one that's based on the recognition of, of unity and the recognition that we're one. And that, that ripple changes things, but we can't see how it plays out. Like it's too big. It's too big to imagine how it goes from one person to others, to others, to others, and then all the way back to you, because that's how it works, right? There isn't a ripple you've made in your life that hasn't come back to you. And it will always come back to you because it's a finite world, mm -hmm. right? We affect yeah. everything and it affects us. Yeah. And the individual affects the collective. I think that we definitely do need more of these individual voices speaking out. Uh, I mean, I do definitely see that, you know, most people are other people. And I'm sure you probably heard that before that, you know, and that's part of the conformity. That's part of the, the comfort. That's part of the, the safety and the latching onto a belief. And you have a group ideology and all these things. And, you know, the only thing that, you know, I sometimes worry about is how individual thought and free will can somewhat is somewhat being threatened. And, you know, as things get more and more strict in terms of verbiage, in terms of labels, in terms of, you know, our society and, and, and our culture, it's really infringing on what it means to, to be a human being. And, you know, there isn't enough recognition for that and enough awareness because people think it's for their safety. It's for their protection it's for the greater good. And as long as you have the mass group of people believing in that, it can be hard to, to, to trump that it, it can be hard to, to, to fight that. And so I, I do think you need more and more individuals and more and more people who are, you know, sort of unsure and on the fence, you know, that to show them that within themselves, that they can find that own, their own individuality, that they can find their, their own voice that, you know, hiding in the group isn't doing anyone any good. Yeah. I think, I think realizing that it's okay to not know also like all these people out here talking about things being, you know, on the fence, being uncertain, being, and, and being okay with it. Like that's something that is just so drilled into us, you know, me and Eric more recently going through school and whatnot that, you know, you can't say you don't know, like there's, there's a question, there's a thing in class. You say, you don't know, like that's, that's not an option. It's just not yeah. an option, but, but realizing that, you know, it's okay to say, I don't know. You don't have to settle on an answer. You don't have to believe in something. You can say, I don't know, and keep living in uncertainty because that's what there is, whether you want to realize that or not.
Yeah, yeah I, I think that should definitely be a choice. I mean, sadly, I think our world tries to make a lot of things binary, like it's this or that. You're on this side or you're on that side. There's It's black or white. There's no real gray area. I mean, I did drop out of college. Maybe that's why I didn't really, I couldn't really fit within the, within the institution, within all the rules. I had to explore life on my own. I mean, I, I was in college for one semester before I felt like I started at I started to have to ask questions like, who am I? Why am I here? I mean, even just going to college, it wasn't, you know, are you going to college? It's just what college are you going to? You just assume that, you know, you go on this life path and you do this, you do that. And, you know, before you know it, you're, you're just this, you've just adopted all of these ideas and, and, and formed who you are without even knowing who you are. You know, you're, it's like you're blindfolded and you're holding on to this, holding on to someone's hand. I guess that hand is represents society or culture, whatever it is. And you're just trusting that it's going to lead you to the next thing and the next thing. And it's, it's all ego saying that, Oh, you know, you, you get a good degree, you get a good job, you know, you can have a family, you know, go on two vacations a year, this or that. And then it's, it's like, but at the end of the day, like, what are you, who are you? Why are you doing it? What does it mean? You know? Cause I've been told to, yeah, no, that's, um, that's something I, I really noticed with my life coaching clients over the years was, I would get life coaching clients who had done everything right in their life. They, they went to school or they joined the military, they became doctors, they, they ended up you know, becoming administrators of, of government agencies, things like that. Wealthy, could travel, you know, they got married, had kids, did the whole thing, hated every minute of their life, despite the fact that they, they had done everything right. And you can and feel more lost too, yeah. You know. Yeah, because they, it's almost even worse because you've invested so much into this lack of feeling into this lack of fulfillment. So that's why you have that midlife crisis, right? You're like, oh, I got, I got to go the other way as hard as I possibly can, because that's got to work. And it's like, no, no, it's no particular path. It's like the, the expression that truth is a pathless land, right? It's, it's not about which path you're taking. It's about you on the path. Like you are your path. Um, my father-in-law is, an, is a financial advisor and a lot of his clients they go into retirement and, and after retirement, they don't know what to do with themselves. They, they have no purpose for living. And it's because their entire purpose was the acquisition of money. Their entire purpose was the self-definition. And then all of a sudden they don't have that anymore. And it's like, well, what am I here for? It's like, well, why were you squandering the entire time? Like, what, why were you making it about achievement rather than where you were? And it's like, oh, right. Because we were told that's the way to do it. That we were told we were led around blindfolded by other people wearing blindfolds. Yeah. And we so believe them. When when you really think about it too, the idea of working your whole life doing something you don't enjoy to make money and and not even for any real purpose, just the accumulation of it. It's like to do something for that big of a chunk to get money to do what with things you actually enjoy. Is it actually things you enjoy? Like why not just do the things you enjoy and then figure out what, like, if you do that enough, there'll be ways to make money from it to a degree. And then you won't need all that extra piles of money to do the things you like, because you're doing it already. It's like, it's such an interesting thing that's been so ingrained. And it's not to say that it's, you know, I work a nine to five. It's not like to say that I am anti that by any means, but the idea that it's so firmly ingrained in our society as being you know the truth the way like that's what you do you go to high school you go to college you get a nine to five till you're 65 you retire you 
chill for a little on a beach and then you die. And it's like, why is that? It's all fucking made up. Like, why is that the thing? And it, it's mm-hmm. all made up and realizing that is just so it, it just kind of blows my mind every time I think about that. That's, that's just what we've sort of settled on and it's, yeah. it's completely made up. I mean, it's like the, it's the construction of things, the like institutions that are set up to allow it to happen. And I mean, I mean, it starts at such an early age. I mean, we're kids and we're so extremely susceptible. And so we're being told all these things and we're, we're taking on all these programs. We're believing all of these, these things. We're drawing our self-esteem by a letter or a number on a test. And then we're looking at the people beside us comparing and, and competing And then, you know, we have this fear of criticism and we have our parents that probably went through the same exact thing. And so it's like, if you don't have some sort of inkling or, you know, intuitive sense, which, you know, I feel like I had because I tried to kind of get away from it as soon as possible. And I wasn't believing it. Like, why should I feel like shit? Because I didn't do well on this test. Why should I invest all of my energy into this? It it just didn't make sense to me. And for a while I couldn't articulate, I couldn't express why it didn't make sense, but you know, it's like you spend enough time with yourself, you develop your intuition and expand your awareness, which is something that they don't teach at all. And you, you wonder why it's like, it's like, where is the best interest for our individualism, for our, our own unique voice to, to come out. And it's like, if anything, that's what we can offer the world. Um, so definitely lots of questions to ask about why things are set up the way they are. And is it just to, create employees so that our world can keep running the way that it is. I mean, but, but what about us? You know, like, well, what about, you know, <laughs> what about us as human beings? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, this is, this is an old system, right? This system is based on a very old mentality that, that had complete control for a long time. That control is slipping. It's had to of necessity, which is why we have less dictatorships and monarchies now and more more democracies. I mean, they've had to at least change how they deal with us. They have to give us the impression that we're free, that we have choice, right? Whereas before they were just like, what's that? You have a say, into the dungeon you go. Thank you. And, and that was pretty much it. So we, we have evolved that way in, in that. I mean, the Magna Carta was it was a perfect example. Basically, a bunch of rich business people went, yeah, that's enough of this shit. And they they over they overran the the uh, the king and they said, we're going to make an agreement now or you're going to die. And so they made an agreement that the people had certain rights. And this is eventually what led to the Bill of Rights and whatnot, like 500 years later. But there have been enough uh, events in our history of people questioning things enough to stand up and gathering groups that are large enough to actually have some sway. It's just how often it happens. And I think personally, this is just my perspective being a history guy and all that. um, I think that we're still kind of suffering through a severe culling that happened to our species in World War I and World War II. When we say we sent our best and brightest, I think that's absolutely true. And I think that they all died. I think that we got left with the people who weren't questioning and a government that was oh so happy to take advantage of that. But, and, and we've been limping on ever since then. And then you saw the resurgence of the hippie movement. People started questioning again. And then, you know, the system clamped down on that as hard as it could. And it just keeps popping back up. And this is why I'm so inspired by you and Andrew, for example, because it's popping up again, but you're not doing it as a result of following a fad. You're not doing it because of some movement. You're doing it as a result of your own digging, your own journey. So that's what makes me wonder, like, 
is that's what's is that what's happening based on the environment is the environment causing us to change and wake up of necessity i think it is not yeah. everybody but enough yeah i would I say think, yeah i was gonna say that oh, you got it you got it <laughs> oh, no, i was, I was gonna, gonna say that. i i think it's partly environment and then partly just the nature of some people to will their way to carve out their own voice um I mean, I still think environment is suppressing to a degree. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's like they feel like they're playing a chess game, like you're only permitted moves within the rules of the game. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, and I, th I think all that we can do is continue having conversations like this and, and expressing it however we can. And for me, it's been very much a process of going through sort of my own mental health-related struggles, especially in high school and into college. And then I had always sort of been questioning things to a degree, but, but really recently, and it led me more to the, to the realizations of, you know, asking the question, who, who am I? And, and the questions of religion and all of these things that were seemingly so sure I was so sure of in my life because everyone around me was so sure of them, but you've, you know, you start peeling back the layers and it's like, well, no one's actually sure of anything. They're all just pretending to. And, and the more I started to realize like, holy shit, everyone is just pretending. They're just, you know, doing the best they can, but clinging to all of these things. It's like, oh my God, no one actually knows what they're doing, which wasn't frightening for me. It was, it was more freeing, I think, because it helped me to feel okay with feeling like that. And then, you know, being out here sharing that I don't know, I don't, you know, I don't feel great all the time. I don't know answers to things, but I'm not going to pretend to know either. You just haven't found Jesus yet. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, when you God. do, yeah. you'll understand. I had the best conversation with somebody yesterday. I, I posted something about uh, theism and it, it was just great. So he's like, no, God's not everything. God created the universe and then left. You are limiting God. It's like, what? I'm limiting God. You're saying God just took off and isn't everything. That's you're limiting God. I'm saying God is everything. Like it was the most ridiculous conversation because it wasn't based on anything real. It was just based on regurgitation and repetition. And when I asked him, I'm like, okay, so with all this belief, you have, you've never experienced God. Like you're still holding this division. He's like, you're right. I've never experienced God. It's like, but yet you're still defending the view that has kept you from experiencing God. Like you're actually defending it. Whereas I'm saying you can just by getting out of your own way. And you're like, no, I can't. Okay. That's up to you. Yeah. It says who, right? Maybe. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's the same belief. Like, yes, it's a contradiction. You're able to see it, but like that belief is, is like, it's what's protecting them. So like any of their reasoning is just to keep in place and whatever arguments they use is just to keep that sort of solid foundation. Because if not, it's like, they're going to crumble. Like they have to like resurrect themselves. And most people don't have the, the fortitude to, to go through that. Like, that's just too much to bear. And, you know, they, they don't see that uncertainty and that, that space of infinite possibilities as something that is freeing as something, which is like, I think like the best place to be in. Which is hilarious because religion always pounds on faith and humility. 
which is uncertainty and a lack of ego, right? That's what faith and humility is. It's uncertainty and not thinking about yourself. That's all it is. It's just moving forward without anything to hold on to. But they're like, no, no, I have faith in God. Well, that sounds like an idea. What is that exactly? What does that mean? Does that mean that things are going to work out the way you want them to, right? Because if so, that's not faith. That's just you telling yourself another story. And I will admit that while I, I look at the world and I see ripples that we create and, I, and there's a part of me, it's like, yeah, this, this can work out. doesn't mean we're all going to die. Um, there's also a part of me that's very much aware that the whole planet could explode and awareness will carry on. So I, I don't really worry about it overly much because I know there are infinite incarnations where we're having the same conversation under slightly different conditions. Yeah. And it's just nice to remind yourself that, you know, you can be a fool in the end for just having these conversations that you don't know you're having an experience. You're aware of something, but you don't quite know what that is. There's this body thing that we carry around and we're able to express ourselves through these senses and, I don't know. Like, I feel like sometimes you can just laugh at yourself, laugh at the experience and, and just let things be and, you know, take on responsibility whenever you can. And, you know, once again, like if you can make it a pleasant experience, make it a pleasant experience. And, but at the same time, don't label things too much because, you know, that can get you in a, a whole, a whole intertwined complex situation. Absolutely. Well, it's like Alan Watts said, you know, our <laughs> problem is that we take seriously what the gods made for fun. Love that quote. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that there's no meaning of life that it's just to be alive. Like that's another Alan to watch thing that like, we're all looking, we're all searching, we're all using our minds capabilities in every way that we can to, to find some sort of answer. And we're always looking and it's like the meaning of life is the absence of needing one, you know, and just leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only thing stopping you from finding it is the idea that there's something to find. And all you have to do is stop seeking and realize but it's here now. Oh my God. So there's this, uh, this great story about a woodcutter. And so the woodcutter's in the woods he's, and he lives in, on his own and he's got his cabin and, you know, he just cuts down trees all day. That's his job. And one day he's cutting down a tree and he sees this mythical beast called a Satori. And of course, Satori means enlightenment, but so the, the Satori kind of dodges around behind trees and kind of, you know, like I'm over here. And then he goes chasing after it because the, the legend is if you eat the Satori, You'll, you'll find peace and fulfillment. So he's chasing it all over the all over the forest, trying to catch it, trying to hit it with his axe, nothing, nothing. He's getting super frustrated. Finally, he's like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to go back and do what I'm doing. So he goes over to a tree, goes to take a swing. The axe head flies off, hits the Sistori and strikes it dead. And he takes it home and eats well. And it was because he stopped chasing the damn thing. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that was one of the most freeing things I've realized recently is there's no right way like the idea of enlightenment i still i think even up to the last few months was still still thought there wasn't a, a way to be it and you know the people like eckhart tolle have sort of figured it out and all these people who you know the, the gurus and whatnot that are very they're spiritual and they're they're very ceremonial and i think people create this idea of enlightenment and i got tied to that and and this idea that oh, there are things I should be doing and shouldn't be doing. I have this platform now where I talk about these things. It means that I, you know, shouldn't be doing certain things like fucking around with my friends and getting hammered on a Saturday night. Like, oh, I shouldn't do that anymore. It's like, what are you holding on to? Like you're holding, clinging to an idea of what is 
right and what is wrong, like the right way to be and and not to be and realizing that there wasn't. And it's just here and now. And whatever that means for you is all there is, like there isn't anything outside of that is has been like the biggest weight that I didn't even know I had lifted off my shoulders. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's awesome, I think, to, to really be able to understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Freedom, right? Absolutely. It makes sense. I mean, it's, it's something that humanity's always fought for. It's something that we've always cherished, but we've almost lost sight of what it means not just the freedom to walk around where you want or the freedom to buy what you want. It's the freedom to be who you want. It's the freedom to, to perceive the world as you want, right? It's, it's the freedom to be yourself. And that is not something that we value to the same degree that, that we used to. I, I always find it interesting that the founding fathers in a lot of their quotes of the United States really focused on the idea of liberty for that reason. And liberty is the state of freedom right? The state of personal freedom. And that was their entire idea. It's like, you know, no religion tying us down. Everybody can believe whatever the hell they want. As long as all of us are individually free, we will have a country like no other. And then that just became more collective thought. And, and that became another structure and a system and a two-party, you know, drama. And, and it has been ever since, but the idea was sound. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. being free is just allowing you to be how, however you want to be and like giving you that choice is that's i think what ultimately we should all have if we choose to take on a belief if we choose to live within labels then then that's your choice and you can you can do that and um just to go back to the enlightenment for a second and i'm not going to go too deep on this but i had a one of my last um psychedelic trips when i took mushrooms and andrea i know you've recently experimented with them um and i wrote down i did like a trip report and like the way that I approached it, like I, I've looked a lot into, um, Terrence McKenna, I think that's his name. You know, he's obviously one of the, you know, pioneers of, of psychedelics and all that, um, you know, having set and setting be really, really important. But in terms of enlightenment at one point of the, the trip, and it was really deep, like I was like with this sailor and I was like in the, the back of like this boat or canoe type thing. And pretty much what the message was that enlightenment is just letting the light in, if that makes any sense. And for me, that's just being, being open to all of the possibilities, being in that uncertainty and yeah, just really like opening yourself up and, you know, yeah, it's, I think it's really that simple. And like, we complicate a lot of these things. We think that this so-called idea of enlightenment is only held for specific people or godly like people or like it's like this mythical thing and it's like unattainable but at the same time we should be striving for it or to have some of the virtues that 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 represents and like it's just it's just simply to 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 be aware to let the light in to experience what's happening in this moment to not be too attached to this idea that you have for yourself and and just to see through all of the things that are to, to see through all the blockages that, that are really just limiting you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, to, to be aware, I guess, is, is very much like being an exposed nerve, right? It's total vulnerability, but that's where all our potential and our strength lies, right? And the more vulnerable we are, the more sensitive we are, the more we can take in, the more we process and the more our alignment deepens. And, and I think that 
that is super telling is as to why we are so confused as a species because we don't like vulnerability. We want to know everything's tightly controlled. I mean, how there are like 50 signs on my street telling people how to drive and what speed to go and where not to turn. Like we, we don't like not having control. And so the idea that we have to let go of needing control or the idea that we've ever had control in order to see more, that's something that's going to take a while to, to take hold in a big way. But as I said, and I'm, I'm going to continue to say, it's definitely happening. I am definitely seeing a bigger undercurrent of that conversation, though it's still, um, it's like Andrew was saying earlier, it's, uh, it's still almost camouflaged in that like it stopped being Christianity and it's turned into spirituality. And then it's going to go from being spirituality to being more of a philosophical. And then it's going to go from that to being straight up application. But I, I think it's, it's these conversations reminding us that these are steps on the way and spirituality is not awareness. Spirituality is a step on the way to awareness. Right. And, and so, yeah, just the fact that we're questioning things without wanting to settle on an answer, if, if that can become the common dialogue, everything changes, everything changes. And I don't know how fast that will happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That idea of vulnerability too. I think it's just, I find it so interesting. Like for a while, one of the biggest things I struggled with was just like fear of judgment and from others. And, and I think realizing that other people were struggling with the same things that I was, was extremely another extremely freeing thing for me because for so long. And I think one of the biggest things that people struggle with is feeling like they're alone and feeling like they're the only one going through something. And it's just so interesting how little vulnerability there is out there. And everyone's trying to put up this face, like everything's perfect and everything's great. And I'm, you know, have this amazing life and they're all, or at least most of the time, just a sweaty guy behind the curtain. And it's just so interesting because I think that in itself, if people were just less fake like that and trying to put on this face, a lot of the mental health related issues we've seen would subside because people would realize they aren't alone in their struggles. And so, yeah, I just find vulnerability to be one of the most important aspects of this and not being ashamed of having something different about yourself or, or like even, even like a weird, like, I don't want to get too weird on this conversation, but like a kinky desire. And it's like, so interesting that everyone just tries to hide all of that. And I, I don't know if you, Eric, you follow Blake, uh, the cosmic jester on TikTok, or, uh, don't think so okay he's he's a very I'll, interesting i'll check him guy, out but he, he has i see on his instagram story sometimes like he is extremely vulnerable and open and authentic about things and it's sometimes like even you know sexual related things and it's just very like it's cool for me to see because i know every like 95 percent of guys I know are doing the same shit, but nobody talks about it. It's so interesting that nobody right. wants to talk about it because everyone, you know, feels like they'll get judged, but everyone's doing it also. It's just, yeah. it's very interesting. Nobody's transparent about it really. But mm -hmm. it's like, I mean, I, like if you fully accept who you are in, in every way, then I guess it doesn't really matter what other people think. And, you know, when you know that most people are just trying to, to be strong and have this, 
fully put together puzzle of who they are and they have to keep this image intact. Well, then it's like, they're just being dishonest with themselves. And, you know, they have to go home at the end of the day and look at themselves in the mirror and see that reflection and know that, that they're doing it. So it's like, in some ways it's easier, but in some ways it's, it's a lot more challenging, but it's also about, I guess, what most people are doing. Like some people want to have that courage to like be able to just be so transparent and so authentic and just like share all these things about themselves. Cause I mean, for one, maybe they don't take it too seriously. You know, two, they, they realize that like for, for other people, it can be like inspiring even like to, 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 to see someone doing that and see them just fully putting themselves out there and, and being vulnerable. Cause that, that, that's actually like true strength to be able to, to do that and, and, and not care. And I mean, it's definitely something, uh, something that I've struggled with because it's like, you know, being an introvert and being someone that's like reserved, like you want to keep most things for yourself. Like you don't want to be quote unquote, exposing things to everyone about yourself or your intimate life. But it's like, we're a lot more, like we have a lot more in common and we do a lot of things like behind closed doors that are very alike. And like, we all think that like, we're the only one when in reality, we're definitely not. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, we have far more similarities <laughs> than differences for sure. Yeah. Well, as we have reached an hour and 25 minutes, go, oh, go figure. As always, we always end up at an hour <laughs> and a half. Um, we're going to wrap up here. Eric, it, it's been just a pleasure talking to you. I'm hoping we can have you on again. Um, your TikTok name is Infinite Seeking. Infinite Seeking, yeah. And where else can people find you? Uh, well, Infinite Seeking on, on Instagram too. And I also have my I guess, personal Instagram, which is Eric underscore Abron. Some people don't know my name because they just see infinite seeking, but my name is Eric. And uh, yeah, I guess you can follow, you can follow me there too. I make some content there. Th thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm really grateful. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And being able to talk to two people like you guys is, is, is really incredible, you know, eye opening and you guys are very, very wise. So thank you for <laughs> inviting me on. Yeah, I'll settle with crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this is this is awesome to connect with you and 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 you know I know you're in New York, so I'm in New York also. So yeah, we'll have to grab take a coffee walk sometime or something. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I go sure. on like three or four three or four walks a day. So I, just I see your stories me. and you're answering all, all the questions. So so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should definitely meet up that's, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, you definitely should. And then you should record the conversation because that, that'll be valuable <laughs> for other people. Um, oh, thank you everyone for listening. And of course, we'll be back next week with episode six. Um, do look up Eric and enjoy his content because it's insightful and it's authentic. And I feel inspired by it every time I watch it. So I definitely recommend it.